notice that politicians struggle to enact the things they run on, that regardless of who wins elections, lawmakers find they cannot pass whatever legislation they like. They find themselves bound by what is popular or at least their sense of it. They can only enact legislation within a narrow set of, prior, of policies, and this range is called the Overton Window. And on the Overton Window podcast, we look at issues around the country and talk to the people changing what is politically possible. Some issues are old. We've been arguing about state government spending since the state was founded, and that's not likely to end anytime soon. The bounds of the Overton Window have been set, and we work to push them one way or another. But some issues are new, and lawmakers struggle to even understand the issue, let, uh, let alone what people might want out of it. And such is the market for low-altitude airspace right now. There are rules for ground transportation, there are rules for commercial airlines and other planes, and there may even be rules for the airspace used by drones, which have expanded in usage and began to get lawmakers to ask questions about it. Frankly, I am not sure what's going on here, so I wanted to talk about it with Brent Scorup. A senior, researcher, a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University, where this is one of his specialties. Brent, what are the rules for using low-altitude airspace? Yeah, James, thanks, thanks for having me on. Oh, where, where to start? Um, this this low-altitude airspace is a completely new area when, when, it, when it comes to drones. So I... I wrote a, a law journal article, which will come out in a few months, about the subject, the legal history of, of low altitude airspace, and and let's just say it's uh, complicated. It's historically is treated much like real property. Uh, you can you can buy it, sell it, you can be taxed on it. Um, however, with Wait, aviation, can, it, I, can it I ask adds... you a question about that? So, yeah. like, if you have valuable air above your house, that can raise your property taxes. It's not really an issue except in urban areas. And, mm-hmm. and so in, in large cities, um, particularly large global cities, you, you do see a, a pretty um, uh, a brisk trade in air rights and, and selling air rights and, and air easements and so forth. Um, and and this, this is part of what you buy when, when you buy a house, even in a rural area. You, you buy it with the expectation that uh, you know, your, your neighbor or a business is, is not going to build anything uh, 10 feet above your roof line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so airspace is real property. It's uh, according to courts, it's real property. According to IRS, it's real property. Uh, but there are some wrinkles when it when it comes to aviation. And, and that's uh, what my, my law journal article talks about. And particularly in, in a world of drones, how can you promote a, a large and, and national drone industry while at the same time protecting landowners' privacy and, and property interests and, and expectations. What is that drone industry? I mean, I know people use them a lot of times. Uh, uh, they're based, uh, For a lot of people, they're just basically another toy, but I know that there's some commercial usage. Uh, we talked about a mosquito with a mosquito control person, talked about how that's changed their ability to control mosquitoes. So what's going on? Yeah, I think you're, uh, so for someone who doesn't follow this industry closely, I, I, think, I think they'd be surprised at how quickly this industry has advanced in the last, say, 10 years. Commercial drones are, are a rapidly growing sector. And you see it. You see it in a few industries. Um, 
the big ones are, are photography, real estate photography. I, I think I think most people are probably familiar have seen images uh, from drones or, or films or at weddings, college campuses, that sort of thing. Um, but it, the the next frontier for drones is doing beyond visual line of sight of the operator. So beyond the sight of the operator, this would be things like logistics inspections or linear inspections, things like oil pipelines, uh, utility lines, mm -hmm. uh, property lines, railroads, um, but also cell tower inspections. And, and, and a very promising sector would be drone delivery. So you, you've seen, especially in the past year with COVID, uh, a lot of companies ramp up their medical delivery, um, PPE and, and COVID vaccines and testing here and, and around the world. Uh, but also companies like UPS and Google and Amazon want to do um, delivery, retail delivery to homes, and, and, uh, and you're seeing more experiments. The, the FAA is uh, actually f uh, pretty forward-looking on, on this. They, they, want, they want to see this industry succeed. And so just this year, they, they liberalized the rules to allow more drones um, above roadways, above people at night, and so forth. This, this was a major constraint on commercial operations. Uh, but, but that's why I'm, I'm writing uh, frequently about this issue, because whether states and cities and landowners want it or not, they are going to see a lot more drones this year and in, in the coming years uh, immediately following. So why should the expanded use of drones get lawmakers to reexamine these already established policies? What I fear, and you see a few legal scholars talking about this, is that state, in particular state lawmakers, but, but also federal lawmakers who, who haven't really weighed in on this, a, a threat to the industry is trespass, nuisance, and takings losses from landowners. As I said, it's, it's established law, Supreme Court has held, landowners own airspace above their property. Not not infinitely above their property. The Supreme Court says the immediate reaches above their property. And, and, and that could mean a lot we'll of talk things. later about what, what, what the immediate reaches is. It's not totally clear. But you, you own the airspace above your property. Drones fly uh, and actually uh, in most cases are, are required to fly at low altitudes, below 400 feet above the ground. And so you, the way, you have this 400 conflict. feet is basically the height of the largest roller coasters. So yep. that's still a lot of a, a lot of air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, say say a football field above your house. You know, some somewhere somewhere around there. Um, so the the issue will be as as we have more drone operations, uh, land uh, landowners not not every not every landowner not most but some will bring uh, trespass nuisance and takings lawsuits and and particularly if if you're say at a busy uh, busy area and and you probably don't want drones flying at all hours of the night uh making deliveries i mean they they can be noisy and depending depending on how high they're flying they, they can be disruptive so like a landowner got got a bunch of apartment buildings they don't want drones flying by their apartments at all hours of the day yeah and and and, and they'll bring they'll bring trespass nuisance or, or, or takings lawsuit if if the drone route is is approved by a public official, and that puts the state or city on the hook, by the way, which I think is another reason states and cities should be um, hmm. uh, intrigued by this, because they, they could be on the hook. If, if they authorize a drone route 
and landowner brings a takings lawsuit um, that, that's against the, the public agency that authorized it. And, and these, we've had these cases for decades in traditional aviation. Um, As so, in like a, you build a, uh, an airport too close to a neighborhood, residents complain, say, look, you're violating noise ordinances. Yeah, yeah. And in, in many cases, airports will purchase, they'll actually purchase airspace from neighboring landowners. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the FAA requires airports. If they can't get all the, all the land that they need for an airport uh, to be quiet uh, near neighboring properties, they're authorized to buy airspace um, or, or um, what's called navigation easements above, above land. So, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I'll say in, in Michigan, actually, this is very relevant. Um, there, there was a, a decision by an appellate court in Michigan a few, a few months ago. Uh, what had happened? Uh, so, Long Lake Township uh, is the case. Long Lake Township versus Maxson. Long Lake Township brought a, a zoning violations case against a landowner, and and in evidence of the zoning violations, they they had hired. In collecting evidence, they'd hired out a drone company to do surveillance of, of the property, and, and I think it was an unlicensed junkyard is, is what they're accusing them of. Um, so they, they had these drone photography uh, uh, photographs, and, and the landowner sued to, to get that suppressed as an unconstitutional search of their property. And, and the court, the appellate court, said uh, the drone was flying at... at a low altitude, and it was a search. And, and in fact, the town needed to get a warrant before before it could uh, fly and and cite people and take photography, take photographs for, for zoning violations. And and so, you know, th- this is another reason. Uh, you know, people have privacy expectations, and, and certainly against the government, but also against private individuals. You don't want uh, drones flying at, at low altitudes above your uh, above your property, and, and so the remedy is to bring a trespass lawsuit. Um, and uh, in if you're a drone company, if you're a small drone company, it's not good to have this legal uncertainty about whether you will be sued, whether you'll be sued for trespass, whether a landowner will get an injunction against you, and this can be costly. This could shut down a small company, and so th- this is not good for anybody. And, and so that's why I'm writing about this topic. And uh, in, in, in saying to federal and state lawmakers, you need to get ahead of this because the, the lawsuits are coming. I, I mentioned the one in Michigan already. There, there was a guy convicted of drone trespass in Louisiana last year. These cases are coming, uh, and I've, I've heard of other ones. So uh, it's not good for the industry. It, it's not. It's not good for uh, landowners, uh, and it's not good for state federal regulators to uh, uh, to allow this. A vague policy framework we have where no one knows what's legal and at what altitudes and uh, so I've I've proposed an idea of drone easements uh, above public roads uh, to avoid takings uh, uh, and, and nuisance and trespass lawsuits um, and, now, and maybe I we'll wanna, talk about that later uh, yeah I want to get into that but I first kind of want to cover this thing because I think it's interesting is that uh, drones are new it's kind of a new market and yet Already, before they even expand in, in usage, this is already a heavily regulated field. People don't want uh, others to trespass on their properties, and there's laws about that. 
People don't want their privacy invaded, and there's laws about that. They don't want drone noise, and there's already laws about it. It sounds like governments have already regulated widespread drone use out of existence before it even began. Is that right? I mean, outside of using your own drone on your own property. So there, there are a lot of regulations for drones. Um, aviation is just a, a very heavily regulated sector uh, because until, until very recently, aviation, you were carrying people. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, a, it's a very heavily regulated sector. And, and for whatever reason, people, you know, deaths in aviation, you know, fortunately there, there haven't been many in, in the past decade in, in the U.S., but they, they drive a lot of um, uh, news interests and, and it, you know, it's, it's terrible for, for the industry. It's, it's obviously terrible for the people when this happens, but people don't tolerate uh, accidents in aviation like like we do in say traditional roadways where mm-hmm. over 30,000 people die every year. People just By don't the, tolerate that for aviation. So it's a very heavily way, regulated we sector. We did the math on that recently. Um, oh, how sorry. Uh, we did some of the math on that road transportation recently, at least for the state of Michigan of how many vehicle miles are traveled and how many uh fatal accidents are uh there are. Um so just, again, just out of curiosity, I wanted to see how many miles do you think you would have to drive before you can expect to be in a fatal accident? Uh, no, no idea. No idea. Yeah, I know. It's crazy because it's a, it's a huge number. It's a hundred, uh, it's a hundred million miles, uh, which is a lot. Now it's far less to be in a car crash, something around, uh, uh, uh something around 50,000 if memory serves, but Anyway, uh, we accept a lot of risk for ground transportation. You're saying we don't on, on air transportation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so aviation is just very heavily regulated. And, and drones are entering aviation where, where there is a lot of legacy uh, regulation. Uh, yeah, as, as I said, um, federal lawmakers and, and increasingly state lawmakers are, are trying to encourage commercial drone services. Um, but if, if they don't anticipate uh, some of these issues about uh, what, what will the state role be what you know can can there be trespass lawsuits at what altitude can you bring trespass lawsuits it, it will be a, a major hindrance for the for the drone industry mm-hmm. so I mean the the biggest question I, I think is here is which is kind of unknown but I want to see if you can deal with this one how could people's lives improve if lawmakers get this right? In, in several ways. So, you know, I'll give a, a few off the top of my head. You know, cell, cell tower inspection, railroad uh, inspection, utility line inspection. These, these are dangerous jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, utility line inspection, this is often helicopters. Uh, you know, some, some workers in helicopters flying and visually inspecting power lines. I mean, this, this, you're, you're in a helicopter. You're, 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 in, you're, very, you're flying very close to utility lines. It's a very dangerous job. Uh, cell, cell tower inspections as well. There's um, deaths uh, among mm-hmm. technicians who are inspecting cell towers every year. By the way, um, I've seen some of those YouTube videos of those technicians working on those super tall ones. They just give me nightmares. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not for the faint of heart. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm safely, you know, I'll stay safely at my desk uh, and I won't be doing that anytime soon. Um, so th- that's, you know, that's, that's one area. Um, just inspections, just making it safer, making it more cost-effective. 
uh, by instead of sending out a team of you know two or three uh, guys and women, you, you can send you can have a drone operator you know doing this uh, remotely and covering a lot of ground. Medical delivery, I think, has a lot of great potential. I mean, you're, you're seeing a lot of it in uh, low-income countries and middle-income countries. In, in Africa, you, you actually do have pretty extensive uh, medical drone delivery systems in Rwanda, Ghana, and Botswana. And in places where road infrastructure might not be as great. Yep, yep, exactly. Turning a, a four-hour um, car ride over mountains and, and potholes and, and and muddy roads into a 20-minute uh, drone drone flight. So, uh, but but even in richer countries, um, you know, med- uh, medicines have a short shelf life. Uh, vaccines have a short shelf life. Um, just-in-time delivery is important. And so, I think even even in wealthier countries, there's there's a major uh, potential for for drones. I mean, you you have things like um, air ambulances. There, there's discussion of using passenger drones as, as to replace helivacs and air, air ambulances. So th- those are a few, you know, I, I think, immediate ways that drones would, would benefit people. And, and then and that's not even talking about, you know, opening up an entirely new sector uh, entirely new jobs like technicians and remote operators and and logistics and, and, and retail and all the things that go into a, a mass drone delivery service that Amazon or Walmart or, or UPS would use. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see done in the market for low-altitude airspace? As I said, the, the FAA is liberalizing its rules or allowing more more extensive and, and complex drone operations and, and deliveries. The problem is many states, many state lawmakers uh, aren't, aren't aware that this is coming their way. And, and so what I would like to see is uh, federal and state lawmakers working working together on this. And, uh, you know, the, I've, I've written about what states can do in this area, uh, create a drone advisory committee, for instance, which which uh, several states have done. Mich- Michigan actually has a, a, a drone program office, uh, and some some other states have that. So, and examining that things would do what? Examining things like what what should liability rules be? What what at what altitude does a trespass occur? Is it four hundred feet? Is it two hundred feet? Is it thirty feet? Um, I think reasonable people could could disagree on that. Um, uh, what what education needs? Uh, you know, how should curriculums and and community pro, community college programs be uh, modified to prepare um, a state or a city for for these new types of jobs? Law enforcement um, and privacy and, and, and constitutional mm-hmm. rights. What what rules need to be in place uh, for drones? So th- these sorts of things are are good items for a drone advisory committee or a drone program office to take up, um, and, and then just uh, things like like this idea of drone easements, drone highways uh, above public roads. Where how, how do you set these up? Uh, will they be leased? Will they be auctioned? How will they be managed? These are all questions that that need to be solved before before we can have a, a, an extensive drone delivery system. 
tell me more about that. Um, I mean, what are you envisioning for what 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 would be leased and who would lease them? Yeah, what, what I would envision. So aviation is a mix of federal, state, and, and local prerogatives. Uh, you know, traditionally, it's mostly federal, but but that's because traditional aviation was interstate commerce. With drones, you have a lot of interstate commerce and and a, a lot of uh, local issues um, that that you don't have in traditional aviation with airliners flying tens of thousands of feet in the air. Um, so I, I think there's a role for federal, state, and and local authorities. And, and so what I would envision would be the, the FAA would, would certify, say, drones um, and, and maybe drone traffic management systems, air, you know, air traffic management for drones. As in, like, this is the technology for how to communicate with the controllers and the, and the thing and, and uh, some of the safety technology for it. Yeah, that's right. You know, make, make sure... Um, uh, you know, these are these are safe uh, drones, safe technology, and also uh, when it comes to low altitude airspace, the the federal regulators, the FAA, would say, "All right, in in this large area, you know, there there are no military bases, there are no airports, there are no federal interests here. State state and city, um, you, you can you can create drone highways in accordance with your." Uh, local laws and, and local interests. And so, so the idea would be, you know, the state of Michigan above state highways or local roads would demarcate the, the roadways where, where drones could fly above and, and that way open up hundreds of miles uh, throughout Michigan for, for drones uh, to fly. And, and the question is, how, how, do you, how do you share it amongst various companies who all want you know, access to, to this public property, this, this public rights of way. And that solves the uh, the question of, like, where can you fly these drones? You can't fly them over private, private uh, property, but we already have these rights of way, and we can just use the air above them to as, as, as ways to get from one place to another, to do um, uh, things like you, you mentioned of uh, deliveries or, or even just use it in general. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think it's an elegant solution. States and cities already... Uh, own or manage these these roadways and, and including the airspace above them. Actually, mm-hmm. over 20 states allow airspace leasing uh, above roadways. Uh, it's, it's not been used for drones to date, but but it could there be. Probably hasn't been a big market for it. Yeah, right. Um, and, and I think the day is coming. Actually, Michigan uh, allows state officials to lease airspace above state roads. So that we, we already have relevant laws, and, and I think it's an elegant way of, um, of protecting private property. Landowners uh, can't, can't really object to drones that are flying in, in public rights of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those uh, issues that you brought up of trespass uh, does, doesn't happen because you're over these rights of way. There's already people moving up and down those rights of way. Um, nuisance, roads are loud. Um, that's probably already regulated or done something to manage that. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's right. And, and also, you know, it, it also allows public authorities to monetize, to, to gain passive income from this public asset, which is the, the public rights of way. And so, um, you know, the, it, it solves, solves two problems um, when, when you're leasing airspace. One, uh, it 
it, it gives a revenue source to, to public agencies for this use, again, of a public asset, which, which is important. And, and two, if, if you don't have a, a leasing or auction mechanism, you'll have multiple companies and, and you have to decide who, who do you give access to. Um, and, and, and the market system, uh, you know, leasing is one way of, of deciding. Uh, it's better than the alternative systems that are proposed, like first come, first serve, or uh, an administrative decision, you know, uh, favoring certain companies over others. So, um, so I, I think leasing solves um, and the revenue problem, but also how you decide amongst competing uh, companies who, who gains access. Yeah, and at that point, too, um, leasing, uh, you can issue as many leases and uh, as you want. Um, and as soon as, like, uh, adding more people to the market interferes and, like, theoretical air congestion, well, leases become less valuable. Yeah, I, th- I think what states and cities want to avoid is what happened with, say, cable franchising 40 years ago, where cities and states kind of infamously gave monopoly cable TV franchises to one company. And, and the, you know, the, the legacy of this, is we're, we're still living with, with some of the legacy of that decades later. Uh, you want a competitive market. And so what I would envision would be kind of layer cake fashion. You could have you know, three or four drone operators above uh, you know, serving, serving a city. So it's not, you don't want one, you, you, get, you get a monopoly problem. You, you want a few, and, and so you could have this kind of layer cake approach to the airspace above public roads. As in, like, you get 50 to 100 feet, you, uh, another person gets a layer above that and another layer above that? Yep, yep, exactly. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Although you, you're providing some interesting practical advice to people who have their own drones right now, which is don't fly over people's property. And uh, and 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 uh, if if you want to leave the property, go over roads. Is that right? Or yeah, I mean, fly you know fly you know for for today's drone operators, and and this this is just good practice. Um, you know, fly only above your your own property, or get permission from from whoever's uh, property you're, you're flying above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like just uh, common sense of being a good neighbor. Yeah, no, I think that's right, and I, I think most drone, drone operators follow that, um, but uh, but not always, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've staked out the Overton window on this issue, which is we already have a bunch of laws that regulate these things for how it can affect people, for things that they care about, their privacy and, and nuisance uh, things. Uh, you're starting to etch out like how this thing could be used commercially and what might need to happen in a legal framework. Um, but, I mean... So we're kind of shifting that window already, um, but that's going to be affected most by the people who are going to be most affected by these rules. I mean, who is going to have the biggest voice on this issue? Right now, uh, on this issue, it's it's mainly the drone industry um, who is speaking out, which you would expect. I mean, uh, they're... You know, they, they want to see their, their industry succeed, of course, but you're, you're not getting the full picture um, if, if all you're listening to is, is the drone industry. And so there, there are academics, researchers like myself weighing in. I, I think in time you will see more uh, voices from 
say, uh, large property owners, say railroads, utility companies, uh, large commercial companies, and, and also private landowners. Um, and so, how do you how do you negotiate these various views that are a conflict with each other? And as I said, I, I think the, the the traditional common law system of trespass and nuisance combined with uh, leasing of drone easements provides provides a way of protecting pri uh, privacy and property rights while also uh, giving the industry um, uh, access to hundreds or thousands of miles in every state of, of roadways to fly over and, and promoting that industry. So I, I think there's a way to do it. Um, but it's this is still a new issue, and it's not it's not uh, um, it's not been raised to a, a major priority yet. But as I said, uh, I think the day is coming soon in many states where, where they will start to um, feel pressure to, to work on these issues. Yeah, are things going to be different in western states where it's sparsely populated? The federal government owns most of the land. You're not going to have some of those conflicts that you'd get in other places. It, it cuts both ways. So you have, you know, you might you might have fewer parties, uh, fewer conflicts there, but you also have, um, you know, this industry is driven by density. I mean, you need mm -hmm. people. You you need a business case. And so it cuts both ways. So yeah, I think, I think for testing purposes, you know, testing new services, it makes a lot of sense to be um, out west. But when you're building a business case uh, for medical delivery, for uh, Amazon delivery, for inspections, mm -hmm. uh, most most of the market is in dense suburban and, and urban areas. Policymakers overreact to big stories. And since people don't have a lot of experience with commercialized drones and low-altitude uh, airspace, it's something that can be sensationalized. Now, is this something that you worry about, that our concerns over privacy and trespass are, are so strong that we're just going to get rid of the, uh, this thing before it even starts? I mean, there was that South Park episode already. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's a risk. I mean, it's a dystopian view of what drones are going to be. Yeah, it, it's always a risk uh, that, that things will be blown out of proportion, and and you do hear some of this, um, you know, fear, you know, that that drone operators are, you know want to be snooping on people, um, and you know, obviously we're we're a country of 320 million people. There are uh, some some bad actors out there, but um, but I I think the vast you know. I think this will be a, a large and, and growing industry soon. Uh, I think lawmakers are are familiar with uh, with some of these debates, and 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 you know I should say states have not been uh, you know sitting idly by. Uh, many states, most states, have drone laws, and, and they're starting to react to some of these issues, and and they haven't they haven't been uh, derailed by by some of the scare stories. So. I'm optimistic. I, I think, I think most state lawmakers have have a healthy appreciation of the commercial and and, and jobs potential of this in, industry, uh, but also recognize that there are ways um, of responding to residents' concerns about privacy and property rights, uh, some of which we, we've we've discussed. Yeah, I mean, like, look, you give people what they want, either through. Uh 
uh, deliveries or whatever drones uh, are going to help provide. And that becomes a popular service. And we start to answer some of those questions about like, how are we going to use this? And we'll make sure that we don't choke out the benefits. Yeah, and I, I think the the debate, you know, or discussions about autonomous vehicles, say five years ago, were, were you know, pretty, uh, pretty encouraging. You, you had states, Republican governors, Democrat governors, uh, regulators tripping over themselves to bring autonomous vehicle companies to their state, and 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 to lower uh, regulatory burdens. And you know, autonomous vehicles are, are much, you know public roads with with you know 16 year old drivers and they still want these vehicles in, in their state and I, I think it's really encouraging um, what we saw there you know a, a healthy appreciation of the of the potential of autonomous vehicles and I, I think there's a similar story for drones most state and local lawmakers I've talked to uh, almost to the, to the person they, they want to bring these services they want to bring these jobs to their community to their state and so I, I think that's the predominant um, feeling out there. Brent, thanks for letting us know about the bounds of the Overton window. James, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overton Window, a podcast by the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Learn more about the Overton Window at www.theovertonwindow.com.